All of the newest episodes of Note to Self are now available on the Luminary Podcast app. It's free to download, and you can also listen to other podcasts from WNYC Studios, like Radiolab, Two Dope Queens, Snap Judgment, Here's the Thing with Alec Baldwin, and others. Luminary Premium is the only place where you can enjoy the entire new season of Note to Self, plus new original podcasts you won't find anywhere else, from Trevor Noah, Roxanne Gay, Guy Raz, Lena Dunham, and many more. And you can enjoy them ad-free. Start your free trial by going to luminary.link slash note to self or download the Luminary app for free. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. My dear note to self listener, it's Manoush here. Today we have an encore episode for you. And it's a little on the sexy side. And a little late for Valentine's Day, but whatever. So if there are kids around, you might want to save it for later. Meanwhile, if you did the Privacy Paradox Project, we've got something extra for you to ease your withdrawal. Check out the bonus episode in your podcast feed. If you miss the project, it's cool. It's ongoing. So go to privacyparadox.org and do this project to take back some control over your digital identity. Do it with a friend at work or your dog walker or someone else in your life. Because this is just the beginning of us working together to do something about where our personal information and data goes. Thousands of people have already told us that it feels good to take some action. Okay, now for some really personal information, which people have willingly chosen to share. It's our show with Caitlin Prest, host of the podcast, The Heart. How appealing is having sex in public where you might be seen? Well, obviously, I love that. (laughs) Really? How did we get our third child? Okay. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, on a golf course. Where we could have been caught. Yeah. Yeah, that's Absolutely. (laughs) At night with a blanket and the sprinklers went off and then we had a third child. So I'm going to say I love that. I mean, I don't don't probably really want to get caught, but the allure of knowing that you could... Obviously, it didn't bother us. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously not. (laughs) It's Note to Self, the tech show about being human. I'm Anoush Samarodi. Today, can technology, an app actually, disrupt your sex life in a good way? And how you define good is totally up to you. It could be in very, very different ways, like this one couple that you'll be hearing more from. I was surprised that you want to slap me in the face. Um, Yeah, because, like, you know I don't like that. And I was surprised to find out that you want to do something that I actually specifically, you know I don't like it. (laughs) I'm o- I also I I'm okay with getting slapped in the face. Right. Like that was that question goes both ways. But you want to slap me in the face. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Just clarifying. <laughs> Definitely. Not to be a prude, but for this episode, I wanted to turn things over to an expert. So for the past few months, the Note to Self team has been working with Caitlin Press to get this episode ready for you. If you don't know her, Caitlin is the host and co-producer of a show that we love called The Heart. Caitlin calls it an audio art project and podcast about intimacy and humanity. 
But we wanted to see what would happen if we threw some tech into that mix and whether that could get people talking about some incredibly intimate, sometimes taboo, sometimes scary stuff. Here's Caitlin. I'm Caitlin Prest. I'm going to start with a question. How many times in the last week did you opt to say something hard in an email or a text instead of in person? Not just anything like, see you tonight at 7, but something you were really uneasy about bringing up. I'm really sorry. Something came up and uh, I can't make it tonight. Hey, I hope I didn't come off as cold last night. Hey, Mom. Uh... I got laid off today. Hey, my day rate is actually 650, not 500. Can you make that work? Sad news. Your cousin Jeff passed away today. A lot of tough conversations happen through technology. If you have to look someone in the eyes, it's just in their there, I think it's scarier. There's nowhere to hide. This is Grace Ann Bennett. She's a former marketing exec who came into tech to try to solve a very personal problem, something it took her some 20 years to face. When you meet her, she looks like a glamorous New York business type. It's hard to imagine her the way she describes her younger, more naive self. When she was in her 20s, she got married. We were young, but not as young as as a lot of Mormons get married um, and keep their virginity intact. (laughs) So you were both virgins? Yes. Okay. Yep. So virgin Mormon bride, virgin Mormon groom get married and try to embark on this this journey together. Grace Ann says that she didn't really know how to figure out what she wanted, what she liked. She definitely didn't know how to talk about it with him. I thought he was supposed to figure it out, figure out sex, figure out my own kind of pleasure, figure out how to unlock me in some kind of way without me giving any instructions. Because instructions to me was a turnoff. I thought, okay, well, if I tell him, then it kind of kills it. Just like someone telling you, buy me this, and then wrapping it up for Christmas, right? It's like, okay, this is not, this isn't sexy. This isn't fun. This isn't how it's supposed to work. You're supposed to actually be able to kiss me or make love to me in a way that turns me on without me having to tell you how to do it, because that's a buzzkill. Can you remember a time where you tried to initiate a conversation with your husband? Mm. I don't think I ever properly gave him a chance to to even work on it. I wasn't really ready to be vulnerable to him. And then how did that affect your relationship over time? I think if you don't have a good sex life, you're not going to have a good marriage and you're probably not going to stay married. So that not being satisfying and not figuring that whole part of the equation out, I think led to our ultimate divorce. How long were you guys together? 19 years. Wow. Three kids. (laughs) In the wake of Grace Ann's divorce, she quit her job in marketing and started developing an app that would attempt to solve the problems that ended her marriage. It's called Please Please Me, named after the Beatles song. Please Please Me. Please Please Me. Play. Okay, so I'm making a profile. Okay, with the sexy imagery. Username. I feel compelled to do something sexy, but maybe I won't. The app works like this. You sign up, and you get your partner to sign up, too. 
You answer a series of questions about your sexual preferences. All within the privacy of your own cell phone, you answer whether you're into something or not. You can swipe a card left or right. Okay, so I can answer. Love it. Love it. Like it. Like it. Not so much. Not so much. Or no way. No way. How appealing is watching a romantic movie? How appealing is it? So it could be everything from like going to a romantic movie, cuddling, to having a threesome, to being whipped or blindfolded. I mean, there's just a range of different sexual activities and different things that you might do. Setting up the room to feel more romantic. How appealing is reading erotic stories? How appealing is plain vanilla straight up intercourse? Love it. Spanking or being spanked. This is Mitra and Alan. They met at a punk show. They've been together for six months. They're in their late 20s. They're one of two very different couples that courageously volunteered to record their experimentations with this app for us. How appealing is getting slapped in the face? I hate getting Mitra slapped in the face. and Alan are pretty open with sex stuff. But they don't know each other that well yet. And there are some things that, as a new couple, they've never talked about. How appealing is having, having sex, sex where you where might be seen? seen? I'm into it. Not so much. Being naked with your partner in a steam room or jacuzzi. Truth be told, Mitra is my co-producer, and we spend most of our time making radio about sex. But even I was surprised by some of the things that the app got them to admit out loud. Ooh, wild card. Okay, so I get to ask a question. I wonder if she would let me pee on her. I'm going to ask. I was just going to ask this. It says, how appealing is can I pee on you? Where did this come from? I'm going to say love it. (laughs) I was actually just thinking that I want to pee on him. (laughs) Hey, we both like it. All right. If you and your partner both love or like something, then it will send you a push notification and say, you and your partner share a turn on. So you get this dopamine hit like, wow, there's something that we both like and uh, and that says get into it and takes you to a private chamber where you can chat about this thing that you might both be into that you never even knew. Mitra and Alan are what the app calls sexplorers. Sexplorers are sexually adventurous. I bet you figured that out. But that is only one of four profiles that Graysan's team developed. They worked with the Kinsey Institute at Indiana University to create a survey where they asked over 2,000 people about their sexual preferences. The Kinsey Institute, if you don't know, is one of the leading institutions when it comes to sexual research. What they found was that there was a huge gap between the kind of sex people are having and the kind of sex people dream of having. They call it the sexual exploration gap. For people in relationships asking for what they want or need sexually, it can be very difficult. This is Catherine Frank, one of the researchers who worked on the study. We developed the concept of the sex exploration gap because we noticed that for any given practice, whether it was wearing sexy lingerie, blindfolding a partner, using sex toys, we found a higher percentage of people expressing interest in that activity than had actually done it. She says one of the big reasons for the gap is that people are afraid of asking. And one out of three of our respondents said they wished that it was easier for them to talk with partners about their sexual desires. But there's more to it than just being able to talk openly about your desires. Sometimes the barrier is that you think you already know what your partner likes, especially if you've been together for a long time. We've become very invested in our fantasies about about our partners and ourselves as certain kinds of people. And if you read 
the literature on affairs, sometimes people say they've had affairs because it allowed them to be something new and try something new. You know, our desires change over time. And sometimes what also happens is that they get reified so that, oh, you liked BDSM and that's who you are forever, right? Um, But that's not necessarily the case. People change. Maybe you matched up perfectly at one time, but then one of you became less interested in sex over the years or, you know, some interest was sparked by something you saw or heard about. So I think that uh, even if couples are well-matched at one point in time, they can change. One couple that used the app, they did it and they answered this question, kissing more often during sex, which seems like a basic one. This is Grace Ann again. And uh, she said, love it. And he said, not so much. But they talked about, she's like, oh, how did you answer that question? And they had a conversation about it. And they'd been married for 30 years, and they never talked about kissing during sex. The couple Grace Ann is talking about are the second couple that we recorded, John and Jessica. They wanted to remain anonymous, so those are pseudonyms. They met when they were teenagers. He flagged her down on a highway when she was driving back to work after a lunch break. He remembers that she was driving a blue 65 Mustang. It was love at first sight. That was three kids and more than 30 years ago. How appealing is having sex in a hammock? Oh. I like the idea of the hammock, but the sex, probably not so much. Oh, for me, love it. Why not? Why, why, why would you not want to? Because what if we fell out? Like, um, I would... What, what if you don't try? Then I won't fall out. <laughs> <laughs> to, me, it's, to me, it's exciting. And if you fall out, you fall out. Right. You're right. My initial response would be, it would be a great place to snuggle and so a great we need to place go camping. to be. We have to go camping. And we have a great hammock. You <laughs> the, bought us a hammock. For the right reasons. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the next question is, how appealing is role-playing a fantasy with your partner? Really? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm feeling the same way. So like we it. both picked like it. It's not something that we do on a regular basis. John and I don't I don't feel like we have ever really explored that. I'm not opposed to it, but it's not something I've ever looked at you and said, "Oh my gosh, do you want to be <laughs> someone else at this moment?" Yeah, I I We've never done that. However, I'm not opposed to it. I'm open. <laughs> we'll have to write that down. When I tried the app with my partner, I was super excited to have one of those kinds of moments, the John and Jessica moment we just heard, where we discover that we both like something that we had no idea that we both liked, something really X-rated, super kinky. But to be honest, the matches that really surprised me were the ones that were simpler. You know, I think people can start thinking that having good sex is about the gymnastics that you can do. But really, you know, it can be as simple as cuddling on the couch, watching a romantic movie together, setting the atmosphere a bit with candlelight um, or lingerie. Lingerie. The very word makes me cringe. And the truth is that I'm way more embarrassed to ask my partner to do things like make out with me more or light a candle than I am asking for a rim job. 
the romantic things can seem corny or obvious. They come with their own brand of embarrassment. Like, yeah, of course I like it when he wears sexy underwear that makes his ass look amazing. But I would never ask for that. Oh, Caitlin, agreed. I am not a fan of lingerie either. Coming up, Caitlin digs deeper into why we would ever need an app, of all things, for making a real human and physical connection. We're back. I'm Manoush Zamarodi, and this is a special sexy episode of Note to Self. It's a collaboration with the podcast The Heart. So let's get back to Caitlin Prest and her story about where couples go or where an ex-Mormon bride turned technologist wants them to go to talk about what they want sexually. So we're talking about an app that promises to help couples talk to each other about what they want. But the question I keep coming back to is why is asking for what you want so hard? Because they're afraid that they're going to blow up their relationship. And there's too much on the line. And so I feel like we reveal ourselves to strangers, but we don't reveal ourselves to the person that is in bed with us every night because they can hurt us. And we don't want to go there. And there's too much writing on it. So then we just hold back. But then we screw it up anyway. (laughs) because we don't talk and we're blowing up the relationship in a different way through not communicating. For me, it's uh, kind of an embarrassing uh, aspect to bring up. You know, it's uh, uh, being unsure of yourself in some ways, not wanting to have someone shoot you down, you know, and when you bring this up and have them, you know, give you a look, um, say, are you crazy? I agree. It's the embarrassment. I mean, I realize we've been together a very long time, but it is embarrassing to bring up something that makes you feel vulnerable. I think generally we put too much weight on sex. That's Catherine Frank again, the sex researcher. Rather than being something playful and adventurous, it becomes very serious. And of course, sex has serious aspects. We can't forget about those. But a lot of people live with constant shame and insecurity about what they want. And there's some stigma for having sexual desires that might be outside the mainstream. So we found worries about being normal. We found insecurities about attractiveness to a partner or in general. Then there's also lack of education. Where do you learn to talk about sex and really communicate about sex? Okay, so yes, asking people for what you want is difficult. Telling someone that you're not into something, yes, it's hard, especially if you really care about them. But is using an app to open that line of communication really solving the communication problem? I think people have become really comfortable talking over text in ways that they're not necessarily comfortable talking in front of people. And being prompted to talk about sex specifically over text, I think, could work for a lot of people and open a lot of things up. So I think it makes sense. It might not be the most direct way, but if it's going to get the conversation started where it can't otherwise, then I think it's really useful. Also, I think there's like there's something that happens where it's like things that I never really considered. You know, like I would never be like, hey, Alan, like, 
hammock sex. How do you feel about it? You know what I mean? Yeah, or it gives the platform to come back to something that you talked about to revisit it. Like, for example, this hammock. You know, I know that can't. I know that hammock's coming. <laughs> I know that that <laughs> hammock's going to go on that camping trip, and I can anticipate it, and we can talk about it, and it's something that we look at in a very fun, playful way. You know, he'll text me in the middle of the day from work, and it'll be so. You ready for the hammock? It has prompted for us a lot of communication. That we otherwise would not have thought about. And what's okay, so it's a way of creating the space that you may need to have whatever sort of uncomfortable emotional reaction that you need to have. Do you think that in creating that space, could you be missing an opportunity for that intimate moment of like making yourself vulnerable and taking a risk and having them be like, "Yeah, baby, I'm into it." You know, like that that fun moment. What do you、mm. think? Well, I think you'll probably have more of those fun moments in person if you start to kind of do that safely. Through technology or f- from some safe distance, it's almost like training wheels for real in-person intimacy. So, if we have our training wheels on and we're using it that way, and it's just you're kind of first way in, so you go, okay, lightning didn't strike, my marriage didn't blow up, or my relationship blow up.、Uh, he doesn't hate me, <laughs> or think I'm a slut, or some horrible thing. Then you go, okay, then maybe I can do this in person. I think Grace Ann has a point. There is something amazing about having space to react to something in private, especially if mild rejection might be in the picture. Maybe your partner has finally gathered the courage to ask you for a foot job, and the first thing you do is laugh. You can't really take that back. But if you get in a text, you can ask yourself what you really think about it after you've had whatever knee-jerk reaction you might have. You can come to the table with a little more intention and a little more kindness. For me, making out is my obsession. I want to do it all day, all night. I would trade sex for it. Like I said before, sometimes the romantic or seemingly cheesy things are the hardest things to ask for more of. So when I was using the app with my partner, the question "long makeout session" came. I loved it. He not so much did. And. Even though we did talk about it in the app, it didn't make it any easier to face dealing with it, trying to overcome the fact that we're actually different. I think no matter what, you're going to be in a vulnerable position when you try something surprising, something taboo, or something heartfelt with someone. Sometimes even more vulnerable if you've been together for a long time. And not to be too corny or obvious, but I think that's what makes being intimate intimate. Alan likes safaris. Misha doesn't want to go on a safari. I learned that. Many, many thanks to Caitlin Crest and Mitra Kaboli of the Heart, and to all of the people who were willing to talk about their deepest desires. If you liked what you heard, go check out the Heart. It is a great show. It's on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh, and if you haven't subscribed to us, yeah, you need to do that too, right? Note to self: subscribe to Note to Self. Anyway. Thank you so much for listening. This episode was produced by Jen Poyant, Amy Eason, and Ariana Tobin. 
Joe Plourd provided his everlasting audio guidance. He also engineered and mixed it. Note to Self is a production of WNYC Studios. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Anoush Samarodi. Let's talk again next week.